We finished our series this week um, called Exploring Ecclesiology, looking at God's blueprint uh, for the church. Over the last uh, couple months, we've been exploring different aspects uh, of the church, and uh, it's been a different type of series for us. Uh, we usually take a, a book of the Bible like we did uh, just previously with the book of Jonah, uh, start in chapter 1 and go to the bo- end of the book. And uh, this time uh, we went a little different. Uh, we did a what we would call a theological um, series where we take one aspect uh, of uh, who God is, the aspect of ecclesiology, God's church, and, and work through it to understand and refine uh, who we are and what we are called to do as a church. And I hope that uh, for many of you, uh, it's opened your eyes to some of the uh, key attributes of the church and uh, the things that we need to be a part of and uh, to be effective uh, in. And this uh, week, as we close out our message, I don't want to just uh, preach an ordinary sermon. Uh, I've uh, labored a lot thinking of what to uh, present to you uh, in regards to this last message, and I want to do more sharing uh, than preaching. And so if you're newer here, uh, this isn't a normal uh, message. Uh, if you want to know uh, what the preaching ministry is like here at the church, there's plenty of CDs uh, in the back that are free of charge that you can hear more of the, the teaching ministry. But uh, as a family, sometimes it's good to uh, sit back and uh, kind of talk about where uh, God has brought us, uh, from where God has brought us, and, and where God is leading us to. Uh, it's always good to uh, uh, take some time to remember the great things God has uh, been a part of in our lives and look forward to what God is going to do uh, in the future. And to do that, I want to remind us and bring back to our attention um, the vision and mission of the church. You see, if we uh, just find ourselves living out uh, the basic attributes of a church, we will be a church. We will be defined as a church if we worship, if we give, uh, if we have leaders, if we celebrate the ordinances of baptism and communion, if we uh, are on constant accountability with our people, if we uh, have things like church membership. We, we will be a church, but I think Village desires to be more than just a building of Christians, uh, to be a uh, people that all believe in Jesus Christ. We want to be more than that. And I want us to center our thoughts on some scripture this morning as we do some uh, thinking and remembering what God has done and then sharing about the future. I want us to turn in our Bibles, first of all, to the book of Luke this morning. Luke ta- chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. The Gospel of Luke chapter 10, a very famous passage of scripture. We're going to start in verse 25. And go through verse 37. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. And this is what the text says as you're turning there. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law? He replied. What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus replied, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? 
In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these threes do you think uh, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. With that in mind, turn in your Bibles for a moment to the book of Matthew. To the book of Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. The last, in fact, uh, three verses uh, of this great gospel, Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. Remembering what was just articulated in Luke chapter 10, let's hear what Jesus shares. It says in verse 16, to give some context, then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. This is after Jesus was crucified. This is after he rose from the grave. Uh, this is at the time of his uh, coming ascension. And he comes to a mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And they came to Jesus, and Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want you to turn to one more passage of Scripture, to the book of Acts, to the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, this is at the time of Jesus' ascension into heaven as he's leaving his disciples. And with the thought of the Good Samaritan and the thought of the Great Commission, he explains a little more uh, for us to understand how we will live out uh, those two commands that he's given us. And he says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Bow with me for a word of prayer. Father God, we come before you and we've looked at your word this morning. And Lord, we could spend years on those three passages of Scripture. To love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, and strength. To love our neighbors as ourselves. To live out the great parable of the Good Samaritan. Father, a lesson that little children can learn and understand and yet so hard for us to live out. The great commission that is given, that you gave to your disciples and gave to us, that we are to go and make disciples. Easy to preach, hard to live. 
easy to desire, but hard uh, to play our part. But you've called us to go and make disciples, to go to far off lands in the middle of Asia and build playgrounds, to go uh, to the middle of Africa and to preach and proclaim the name of Jesus, to go across the street and reach out to our neighbors, to talk to our employees and, and fellow workers in the workplace, to reach out and to proclaim the name of Christ to those in our schools, to proclaim the name of Christ in our church and through the ministries that are birthed from it, Again, a desire that I believe everyone has, but Father, so many times we find reasons why we can't live that out. Lord, you've called us to be your witnesses, not just to the far off places like Africa and Asia, but to even uh, the Jerusalems and all of the Judeas and the Samarias, the difficult places in the world to serve. You've told us to be your witnesses. So Father, uh, with all in one accord, I thank you for what you've done in this church. Lord, what a history this place has had. Lord, you've not left us in our times of need, but you have allowed us to rise at many different times from the ashes uh, to uh, be renewed in our vision, renewed in our hope that we could go forth from this place and be a testimony to the world around us. Father, I pray that as we meditate on these things today, uh, that we would remember these scriptures and that we would live them out no matter how difficult they are for us to do. Lord, You say that You're with us always. You say that Your Spirit is with us, and because of that Spirit, we have power to live out these things. So, Father, I pray that You would fill us with Your Spirit anew this morning, that we may be able to be Your change agents to lead people to the life-saving or life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. To you be all the glory, honor, and praise in our endeavors to achieve this. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Well, when we talk on the subject of the mission of the church, the question is, what is the mission? And we've talked about this many different times. If you were to take those two uh, passages of, or three passages of Scripture and put them together, uh, we have the great commandment and the great commission. Every mission of the church should find itself involved in those two things. We need to love the Lord God with all our heart, mind, and strength. We need to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we need to, as a result of our love for God and our love for our fellow man, go and reach out to the lost world around us. If you're ever looking for a church and wanting to uh, understand the uh, place that a church has in the world, look and see if the church has those things as a part of its characteristics. Does it long to love God? Does it long to love its fellow man? And does it long because of that love to pursue uh, the Great Commission? Some years back, in fact, about seven years ago, uh, Village was at a place of real struggle. We had just uh, had uh, the pastor before me step away from the ministry. And uh, at that point, the church wasn't all that unified, and it was a difficult time. Some of you who are here uh, that remember those days, they, they weren't easy days. 
And uh, at that time, at one of the lowest places, I would say, in the history of Village Bible Church, on a Saturday, uh, about 15 men got together in uh, the room upstairs, and we began to formulate a plan for a new vision for Village Bible Church. I'll tell you, it is hard to plan a new vision uh, when you're in the depth of some real struggles. It's hard to talk about brighter days. It's as if it's like talking about buying a new house uh, when you're about to have foreclosure done on the house that you live in. It seems like an exercise in futility, but as you've, if you've been around, Village is not always the sharpest uh, group of people, uh, especially because of some of its uh, leaders. We always seem to be uh, going by uh, the beat of a different drum. We said, why not? Let's try it. Maybe God will, will, will meet us in this and, and we'll, we'll think of some ideas. And I want to bring out what we came up with. And I want us to look at that for a couple moments. Put, throw the slide up there. Uh, this is what we came up with seven years ago. And it seems to be holding true for us today. Uh, on that Saturday, we came up with this statement. And it took some hours to put this statement together. But look at it. Village Bible Church desires to be a family of growing believers committed to glorifying God by reaching our world with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to write some things down in your outline. Like I said, this is going to be a different message. We're not going to per se um, exegete a particular text, but we're going to look at why do we do the things we do. And I want us to look at this. Many of you may not even know uh, or have seen this. We don't want uh, our vision to be something that is overriding um, the preaching ministry. So we don't talk about these things from the pulpit all that often. But every once in a while, it's good to go to this statement and understand why do we exist. And I want us to key in on some words here. The first one is the word uh, that we uh, desire. This word desire. What does that word mean? Desire means that uh, as we are a part of Village Bible Church, it is a passion of ours to be together. It is a uh, passion for us to be here. This is no duty. This is no a job for us uh, to be a part of the church at Village Bible. This is a deep and profound pursuit and longing to achieve a particular endeavor, which we'll get to in a moment. This isn't something that we have to be told to do. We long for it. We desire it. This is a passion of ours. We want to be something for God. The other thing this word desire, if I remember right, in working uh, through this statement was this word desire reminds us that the job isn't done. If we desire something, it means there is still something left to be attained, that we haven't come to a place of completion. Now, the church has changed dramatically in seven years. It's nearly tripled in size. We've gone from having one service to two services. We've gone from uh, having um, a lack of space to having more space than we could have ever asked for or imagined. And yet, none of that has accomplished the goals that God has for us in this vision statement. We desire something. What do we desire? We desire to be a family. That's the next important word in our vision statement. I want you to know Village Bible Church is not some organization or business venture. We are a family. We're a family. Now you say, well, what's the difference? The difference is huge. Uh, just look at how you interact with your family at home and how you interact with the people in your workplace. It's very different. Family speaks of commitment. It speaks of love. It speaks of relationships. It speaks of uh, the idea of... Um, 
intimacy and closeness. It speaks of both young and old together working in a common goal towards Christ. It means the idea of rejoicing in times of great joy. And it means crying together in times of great pain. We're a family. We're a family that look different, that come from different places, that make different amounts of money, that live in different towns. But we are a family. And so what we long to do at Village Bible Church is not just have us come in on Sunday mornings and then leave, but the reason why we have all the activities that you see uh, in the ministry update. Someone once asked me, Tim, why, why do we have all these activities? Is it to just meet everybody's needs? No, it's so the family stays together. That we plan all these ministries and all these opportunities to get together so that the ministry can stay together. And that's difficult to do. It's difficult to do when you move to two services. A lot of churches, when they do that, they'll get rid of their Sunday school hour, their adult Bible fellowship hour. And we spent time as an elder team saying, if we get rid of that part of the family aspect of the church, we'll go with it. It means spending time together over meals. We eat a lot of meals together here at Village Bible Church. Why? Because that's what families do. They eat together. They share together. They minister together. We long, we desire to be a family. A family that loves one another. A family that knows one another. A family that can count on one another. These are the ideals that we have when it comes to being the church. This involves devotion and care for one another. And this means that we must make one another a priority in our times together uh, as believers here at Village Bible. The next thing that we see is that we're a family of what? We're a family of growing believers. We're a family of growing believers. What, What does this idea of growing believers mean? It means that we desire to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so what that means is, is that we're going to spend a lot of time in God's Word. We're going to open God's Word and say, what does God's Word have to teach me today? What is God wanting me to know? And what that means sometimes is being rattled. It means sometimes uh, going through some growth spurts that are sometimes painful. I've got a uh, almost seven-year-old son, Noah, and uh, Noah every once in a while will come and say, uh, Daddy, my, my side is hurting. And I'd say, well, is it your stomach? No, Dad, it's my side, my, my bones. They feel like they're, they're, they're being crushed. And I'd say, well, what is that all about? And he said, well, it sometimes goes away. And I said, Noah, what that probably is, and if you've seen Noah, he's growing like a weed, he's growing. And what he's feeling is probably some of the tension that happens with growth. Well, what, one of the things that we're doing this fall is taking you through a very difficult book called Crazy Love. Why? Because we want to stretch our people. We never want to say to our people, you've grown to a place you no longer have to learn anymore. And that's why almost every time we gather together, we're spending time in the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying that Christians can't get together and not have a Bible study and it still be holy. But we as a church want to be growing our people. And so that's why we have small groups. That's why we have ABF. That's why we have Sunday school classes for as young as two years old all the way up to uh, the oldest member in our church. Why? Because we want our people to know the Word of God. 
That's why we devote so much time in our public worship service to the teaching and preaching of God's word. Because we want to be a family of growing believers. What's the next thing we see? These growing believers are committed to glorifying God. What does that mean? This is the idea that in all that we do, in all that we say, everything that Paul says, whether we eat or drink, that we do all things to the glory of God. And we're committed to that. Because we're a family and because we're growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, our desire, the end result is that we would bring glory to God. That when the world looks at us, when people see us, they don't see Village Bible Church and they don't see Timbidal or put your name in that blank, but they see Jesus Christ and him being magnified through all that you say and do. This means that we worship. This means that we stand and praise God and worship him for what he's done. Worship him for what he's doing and worship him for what he's going to do in the future. This means that we pray knowing that we are dependent on an all-powerful God that we will long to pray and say, God, it looks difficult, it seems impossible, but where things are impossible for man, they are possible with God. It's the idea of us glorifying God in everything. Let me tell you, that statement is of the utter, uh, utter importance to us. When we built the building, we did not build it to be a monument. We didn't do it to be an advertisement of look at Village Bible Church. We built that building, and if you were ever a part of any of the prayer times around that time of building, we did it, why? For the glory of God. Everything that we do, Everything that we long to do must be done glorifying God, not glorifying the preacher or the elders or or any particular person or ministry that this church involves itself with. It needs to be committed to glorifying God. Next, it involves reaching our world. This idea here is that if we're a family, loving one another and caring for one another, if we are growing... And God's word is impacting our lives and challenging us to change and to get rid of some of the sin in our lives and to replace that uh, with holiness. If we're pursuing the precepts of God and we're committing ourselves to whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, whether it's ministry or, or being in the neighborhood or the workplace, that everything we do will point back to Jesus Christ and our God in heaven. And then it's going to lead us to something. It's going to lead us to reach our world with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to go out to our world. And I'm so excited because we're starting to see that more and more. I'm hearing more and more of people that are are going and saying, Hey, would you pray for me? I'm taking so-and-so out for coffee, and I'm going to share the gospel with them. Hey, uh, I've gotten together with my neighbors. They're struggling in their marriage, and they've asked if we could just sit down and talk, and we're going to share the gospel with them. I'm excited because we look at uh, our church around us and people are desiring to go to far off places uh, to build playgrounds. Why? For the glory of God, as Dave talked about, and to reach people he's never met before with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Scott right now is in Mozambique. What is he doing? Bringing glory to God because he's reaching Africa with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether we're here or there, we're to be as witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. This is our vision. 
And though the church has changed in a lot of ways, this vision has remained strong for us. Well, how are we to live out this vision? Well, we came up with then a mission statement. And the mission statement is quite simple. To love Jesus to the point of transformation, to love each other to the point of sacrifice, and to love our neighbors to the point of action. We're on a mission of love. Isn't that what Jesus Christ came For God so loved the world. Well, who did he love? He loved us. He loved the world. And so we have a choice now. As believers, the choice should be easy that we would love that Jesus to the point that he would change our lives. That we wouldn't have to fight him when he says, Tim, you need to change this in your life. But that we would love him to the point of being transformed. That we would be changed to be like Jesus that we would love each other. And that's speaking of our relationship with other believers, that we wouldn't look at it as as a a job or as some duty, well, I have to take care of uh, the people at the church or so-and-so needs a hand and I really don't want to do it, but that we would love each other to the point of sacrifice and that we would love our neighbors to the point of action. And that means maybe leaving our garage and going and talking to Tom across the street in his garage and helping him and ministering to him and sharing with him or whoever it may be, our neighbors to the point of action. Now, if you look at those two statements, you will see our three passages of Scripture that we read coming out clearly. We want to be good Samaritans. We want to love our neighbors I see that in the mission statement. We want to grow people and make them disciples so that they can go out and make disciples of the world around them by reaching them with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ, which means that we must be God's witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. This is what God longs for the church to be. So as we have lived this out in the last seven years, the question is, where does it lead us to? And the leading is to more of the same, to continuing to grow uh, as a family, to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, to continue to uh, grow by sending out people who are committed to giving God glory, by living out their Christ walk with the world around them. And so it's business as usual. And you say, well, Tim, that doesn't make such a great five-year plan. Can I tell you something? As long as I've been here, Village has never had a five-year plan. We don't have it. Because every time we come up with a five-year plan, God changes everything and says, I got something better for you. Just last week, Chuck and uh, Stan Free got up here and talked about our little two-year plan. Our two-year plan was to take a broken-down, busted building, spend a hundred, couple hundred thousand dollars, and refurbish it. That wasn't God's plan. It looked good for us, especially when it was on the napkin that we had designed so well. We, we're not very good at long-term planning because God has continually set our direction. And so I want to spend some time talking about one of those things that God has brought before us. Because in August of 2008, your elders went on a retreat. We were out in Lake Carroll, Illinois. And we spent some time out there praying, talking through some business. And the chief question was, what is God leading us to? 
Where are we going? And at that point, we were pretty scared because of uh, the, all the major things that were going to have to change uh, to get us ready for two services. We had just gotten into the building, and there were still a lot of things that were being finished up with that. And so there was a lot going on. And the question was, God is allowing the church to grow. And, and what are we going to do? And so we spent a couple hours, I'll never forget it, a couple hours talking through what some of the possibilities may be. Well, we could just continue to grow, and, and as uh, the rate of growth has been for the last five or six years, the, the church will double in size in the next couple years, and we'll just continue to grow, and, and uh, at some point, uh, if God tarries, we could be uh, a mega church, which there's nothing bad about that, being a large church, serving the greater region uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we said, okay, that's an option. The option there was also to plan a church. Uh, to take a segment of you and to launch you out into a particular location and, and have you uh, start a, another church. And we talked about that and the pros and cons of that. Uh, Keith had just recently come back from Washington, D.C., and he had been at a church where uh, what had happened was is there had been some partnering with other churches where a, a larger church would send out, if you will, donate its people uh, to smaller churches. And they would just send them out as, as if you will, missionaries to other churches to serve uh, and to help the community around them. Uh, and so we thought about all those and we couldn't come to a consensus. And that was okay. That had been a pretty normal thing that on big decisions, it would take more than one meeting uh, for us to come to an answer. And we began to pray about it. And God didn't have the answer, I believe, that we were looking for. About three or four weeks later, Keith got a phone call uh, from a sister church, Grace Bible Church in Aurora. And Grace Bible Church, uh, two of the elders had wanted to meet with Keith. And the question that they came to us with was, would Village Bible Church consider adopting Grace Bible Church? In essence, becoming well, one church in two locations. Them, uh, us being a part of helping lead that church and, and grow that church to live out the vision that they had been watching from afar us doing. They said, we long to do those things. We desire to do that. And for whatever reason, we haven't been able to do it. And so would you come and, and help us with it? Can we be a part of what you're doing and, and, and have that be lived out in our uh, location at Galena Boulevard in Randall Road? A week later, we got a, a letter uh, from First Baptist Church of Shabana. Not knowing anything that's gone on with grace at all, the letter was the same. Would you consider adopting us? Now, our members know about this, and most of you are aware of this, because for the last year, we've been in a trial period of working through this with them. Because after long prayer, we said, you know what, God? Are you trying to tell us something? And we looked to our vision statement, and we said, okay, we're to love our neighbors. Well, these are our neighbors. We're to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea. Well, this is our Jerusalem and our Judea. We are to go and make disciples and send them out. Well, this is going and making disciples and sending them out seems to fit, but it's also pretty scary. It also takes a lot of things. I want you to pull out of your bulletins this morning a sheet of paper that says the word resurgence on it. The word resurgence. Now, we have not spent much pulpit time at all in regards to this because we have felt that the timing hasn't been uh, ever the right time to articulate these things, but we want to talk about it now. 
What is the vision of resurgence? I want us to look at a couple just very quickly words. We believe that uh, this is a possibility for us to create a road to revival through the way of renewal. Resurgence means to rise again or to surge back into vibrancy. We believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ must resurge in every generation to meet the needs of the people within the context of their continuing changing cultures. We want, if you will, a new day to be dawned when it comes to the ministry of uh, Jesus Christ in the Fox Valley area. The word road just tells us it's the identifiable pathway. How are we going to get there? What mechanism, what conduit is going to be used to achieve that? The word renewal is the idea of the restoration of vision which has become faded and unfocused over the last years. The word revival by Martin Lloyd-Jones says it's an experience in the life of our churches when the Holy Spirit does an unusual work to launch us to greater usefulness for His kingdom. And so what do all these words mean? I want you to know that right now in America, thousands of churches are closing every week. Every week. Today, there will be uh, more than a, a thousand churches. This month, I'm sorry, this month, a thousand churches. Some, some Sunday will be their last Sunday of worshiping. It'll be over. And we began to think about that. And I read a, at once at a Moody Bible uh, or Moody Church, and I was looking through their packets of information and in their uh, church um, uh, planting documents, they said for, uh, in 1968, there was one church for every 500 people in Chicago. Uh, but that's not the case anymore because we have churches that are dying out all the time. And to be able to get there, again, to get to one church for 500 people in the Chicago metropolitan area, I don't know if that involved Sugar Grove, probably not, but at least some of the suburbs, there would need to be 10,000 new churches birthed to be able to achieve that same ratio. 10,000. And so we began to pray and began to consider what this might mean. And we say churches are closing down and we need churches in the area. Why don't we help out instead of watching churches die and then going and planting and starting a new work, why not try to help? Well, there's a lot of things that can keep us from being able to do that. You're dealing with a church that may have some entrenched ideas at some things, and that's why you need to be able to love each other to the point of sacrifice. But isn't this what it means to be a neighbor? Uh, To love and to care for a neighbor is to minister to them, even sometimes when you don't see eye to eye. And so we began to talk with them about it and talk through what we thought may uh, be a good suggestion. And we came up with some things. And I want you to turn the page. We coordinated a vision. We said, we think this can work. We've spent some time praying about it, and this is what we would see happening. Village Bible Church would be a single church that meets in multiple locations. No one location would be considered to be the main campus, while others are satellite campuses. We're one church. This model would allow for many congregations, even those that are relatively small, to benefit from having access to combined resources of all congregations while maximizing the intimacy and sense of community fostered in smaller gatherings. A study was once done that people said that they wanted the programs and uh, all the ministries of a church of 2,000 people, but they longed for the intimacy of a church of 200. 
Most churches in America, I believe 95% of all churches in America are 75 people or less. We're in the top 5% of churches that are more than that. And so this would be one church, multiple locations. It would be led by a team of elders, just as we're led right now. There'd be ministry uh, commonality. We would have congregational worship that would, in many ways, have some synergies to it. ABF ministry, student ministries, missions. Uh, Our preaching ministry, going down the list, as many of you know, uh, a similar message is being preached today in two other locations. Each Tuesday I meet with a, uh, a preaching team, uh, and what happens is, is we've been going through exploring ecclesiology. And so when I've gone and spoken at other churches, uh, that week I've preached the same message that I've preached here. Why? Because we are together, there's continuity in the messages that we're preaching. This isn't, uh, you know, we did talk about video feeding the, the preacher in, but the guys looked at me and said, no, he's got a face for radio. So... So they said that won't work. It'll scare people away. So, so then we talked about children's ministry, local impact, small groups, women's and men's ministry, first impressions. But then we also understood, look at that next point there, that there's ministry diversity. While there are many points of commonality, there will also be many points of diversity that will make each location distinct and uniquely positioned to reach its community. The same ministries may not work in uh, downtown Aurora that would work here in Sugar Grove that may work out in Shabana. There has to be some diversity. And so we uh, have then, we talk about a unified calendar, unified membership, all of this to come together. And we've been spending a lot of time uh, talking with you about it and answering questions about it. And what we're asking as, as a church is to look at our vision and say, could this be where God is leading? Could this be where God is, is sending us to? Well, as we look at that, as we explore that, I want you to understand a couple things about it. Number one, write this in your outlines. This is when we finally get to the outline. We need to understand that when we look at something like this, this vision, we need to understand what does this vision mean? I love how Barna defines vision. He says it's a clear mental image of a preferable future imparted by God to his people and is based on an accurate understanding of God, self, and circumstances. That's important. You can't just have some vision and you say, well, God's given me this vision and it doesn't uh, work into your understanding uh, of who you are, who God is, or the circumstances that you live in. And so anytime we look at any kind of vision or strategy, we have to look and say, is it true uh, of God? Meaning, does God, is God... Um, Is it um, compatible with what God has articulated in his word? Is it compatible with us? Does it seem to work for us? I will tell you, if a church came from North Dakota and said, we would like to be adopted, uh, this vision wouldn't work. This has to have some proximity for for it to work. And so uh, that probably wouldn't work out well. And then the question is circumstances. Do we find ourselves at a place that we could live this out? And this is what we've spent the last year uh, laboring over to see. God has given us this clear mental picture of a future. It's been imparted to us. We believe from God. This wasn't coming from anybody else. We believe it's from God. Uh, Does it work for us? Well, for us to understand that, we have to do a couple things. We need to understand a couple things. Number one, write this in your outlines. A vision like this, a biblical vision like this, requires great courage. It requires great courage. I love the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is is an awesome book. I love it. 
A lot of battles in it. Uh, Joshua is a young, uh, he's getting older as he's going, but uh, is, is a young leader who's just taken over from a great leader. And it's this idea of just God is at a new work, doing a new thing with his people. And yet in the book of Joshua, we see uh, different times. In fact, in Joshua chapter 1, just turn there for a moment. Joshua chapter 1. This great thing is happening. God is up to some wonderful things. God is going to lead his people into the promised land. For 40 years, they've wandered the desert. And and God says, Joshua, you're going to take over now that Moses is dead. And uh, you're going to lead my people to inherit the land flowing with milk and honey. It sounds all good. But notice what happens in Joshua chapter 1. It's starting in verse 6. And then he repeats it time in and time out through the early parts of the book of Joshua. Verse 6, he says, be strong and courageous. And he keeps going, be strong and courageous. Now, why would he do that? Why would God tell Joshua to be strong and courageous? If everything looks great, if the future looks wonderful, hey, just beyond the Jordan is the land flowing with milk and honey. Why would they need to be strong and courageous? Because as a leader, when you go into uncharted waters, there are three things that can come when you do that. Number one, there's always the possibility of failure. So he goes to Joshua and he says, Joshua, I want you to be strong and courageous. Why? Because as a leader, you recognize that you could fail. You recognize that there could be uh, a time where you lose when you thought you were going to win. There are going to be times when things don't add up to the way you were picturing them to be. I remember that. About five and a half, six years ago, I remember uh, being given uh, the opportunity to take this role. And no one knows it better than Keith Duff does. We were at a men's uh, conference at Moody Church. And I just couldn't stand it anymore. The weight of the decision on whether I was going to take this role and, and be the preacher was more than I could handle. And so I left the time of worship and all that, and I found a, a room down in the basement. And Keith finds this big, uh, bald guy down in the basement just weeping. And Keith says, what's, what's wrong? And I said, I'm afraid I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail the people of village. Village needs a strong preacher. They need a, a one who will clearly teach the word of God. And I'm a novice at this. I long to do it, but I, I may fail. What will happen to me? What will happen to the church? And, and Keith said, well, if, if, he, if God was so worried about you failing, he wouldn't have picked you. And the people wouldn't be behind you. So get up there and do what you're doing. And if you fail, God has a plan for it. If you're successful, God has a plan for that as well. Just do it. Be faithful. But it's scary. It's scary. Anytime we do anything for God, there's great courage that is needed because we could fail. Number two, there's the idea that friction can come because of conflicting thoughts. You know the story, Joshua takes over the group, and even before Joshua takes over the group, there's a group of spies sent into the land. They cross the Jordan and they look to the land and they say, yes, it's everything that God said it would be. The grapes are huge. The land is lush. It is an amazing place. And all of them agree on that. But 10 say, but there's giants. Not only are there grapes that are big, but there are people that are big. There are fortified cities. And 10 people come and they say, it won't work. And two say, yes, it will. 
Now, we know that that passage of Scripture is a clear mandate. God had made it clear to his people. And so I want to distinguish that between where we're at. God hasn't made it abundantly clear uh, to us that he has said, and at no point have we been sitting here and God says, you must adopt churches, thus saith the Lord. We're testing the waters. We're, we're going and we're asking questions, but that no, no doubt will lead to friction. People will say, well, why don't we do this? Or, or why don't we do that? And it's going to lead to friction. And that's why we need courage, not courage to plow through those people or, or hate those people, but the courage to understand, let's work together, let's pursue what God is doing, and let's walk this road as a body together. Anytime you go in uncharted waters, uh, it's, a, it's a, a point in time where there can be conflicting thoughts and ideas. The final thing that we have to have courage as a result of is the fight that comes with an advancing vision. Joshua has to be strong and courageous. Why, God? Because he says, hey, the land's flowing with milk and honey. You're going to love it. It's the promised land that I pr- uh, promised your forefathers. It's a great land. But what's in that land? Well, there's giants in the land. And in fact, there were 31 kings or kingdoms in that land that Joshua was going to have to conquer. It wasn't something that was just going to be handed to him. He was going to have to work at it. And it was going to mean that he not depart from the word of God, not move to the left or to the right, but stick with it and and go with it and abide in it and follow God's commands every day. And the moment the children of Israel did not obey at the battle of Ai uh, with Achan, they were defeated. And so God says, follow me. And understand, there's a fight that's coming. Whatever we do, whatever we advance in, you have to understand that the devil and all uh, of his powers of hell will fight us against it. But you know what? What does the Bible say? On the rock of Jesus Christ, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. As long as we stay true to God and his word and follow Christ and hold his banner up high, Christ says, you'll prevail. That doesn't mean there won't be fights. It don't mean that there won't be difficulties. Remember the day uh, where Joshua is fighting all the kingdoms, the Gibeonites, the Hittites, the Amorites, all these, all these guys. And he says, I don't have enough time in the day to be able to finish off the guys. And if we wait, more reinforcements will come of our enemies and we will be taken by tomorrow. And what does God do? Joshua goes to God and cries out that God would would hold the sun in its place and that the battle could rage on. And that's what happens. God says, all right, you need a couple more hours? I'll hold back the sun. I'll keep it in the, uh, the height of the sky so that you can continue the battle. God will find a way when even there is no way. Well, it's scary. And that's why five times in the book of Joshua, Joshua is told, do not be afraid. Number two, anytime we come with a biblical vision, it has the opportunity to inspire great cooperation. I'll never forget the meeting that we had in regards to building uh, this new building that we have. And I remember having the discussion, and, and the question was, how will we pay for it, and how will we build it? Because the plan went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to, in our plan, we thought we could pay a million, I think it was million two, Stan, wasn't it about what it was? And uh, it still wasn't as big as it is now. 
Um, and we said, well, how is it going to work? And, and how will the city be able to allow us to do it? And you heard some of that story. And I want to just share very quickly that story. Uh, we had a septic field. We weren't hooked up to public water and sewer. We had a septic field, and to build, we would have had to build on our septic field, and it cost us a couple hundred thousand, I think it was about $300,000 to bring water and sewer onto our property. And, uh, well, <laughs> try to sell that to your people. Hey, we need $300,000. You're not going to see it. You're not going to feel any ministry from it, except when you flush the toilet and you turn on the sink. That's when you'll be blessed by it. But $300,000, that's what we need. That's a hard sell. And so we were really struggling because to spend a million dollars, 300,000 of that going underground seemed to be like a no-brainer. You just don't do it. Until one day, uh, Carol Carpenter got a phone call from Fox Metro, the Water Reclamation District. They said, hey, Wabansi College needs to uh, um, needs uh, water and sewer hooked up. And the property that seems conducive is Village Bible Church's property to work through. So you let us have an easement We'll give you water and sewer. Okay, for free. And then what did we get on top of that? Anybody remember? A new parking lot. And God says, you know what? I, I know I gave you a Sunday. Let me throw some whipped cream on that. <laughs> and that fired us up. And we said, okay, God's opening the door. He didn't give us everything. We hadn't raised a penny yet. We hadn't built anything yet. But there started to be this idea that God was doing a new thing and he was achieving some things for us. And what happened? Then we got some guys again and said, we can raise this money. And our, our stewardship, we had a stewardship director, uh, a pastor of another church. He says, you'll raise five or $600,000 and you should be very excited about that. And he says, you got to do everything just right. And we didn't do everything that he said. He said, oh, probably four or 500,000 you'll raise, but that's good. It's, it's a good time to do it. And uh, I'll never forget uh, when I found out we had raised almost a million dollars. People got together and they said, yes, we'll be a part of it. And then we said, okay, we've got at least the promise of money coming in. I think it was $360,000 came in the first Sunday. We took an offering. I think, Stan, is that right? About 300000 something like that in our first fruits. They haven't built anything yet. But vision brings great cooperation. Why? What happened? We built the church. Not with a fight. Nobody bickering with one another, people gathering together, using their gifts to build the building that we have now. Vision brings great, great cooperation. And we believe that with this ministry that we're a part of uh, with this adoption. For the last year, we've been involved with two churches. And I want to give a progress report from the elders of Grace Bible Church. This is what they said. They wanted to say thank you to Village Bible Church. And they gave eight areas that they've seen progress even though we're not in any formalized thing. Number one, we have now a unified leadership team that is stepping up and fulfilling its roles. Number two, we have a a focus on the people and the word of God. Number three, we've added people to the congregation. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, they had the largest membership class at Grace Bible Church that they've ever had. Why? Because people are excited. They've had an increased vision and now our future thinking of what God could do with them in their community. They said people are excited about the ministry now more than ever before. People are becoming faithful in giving and serving like they've never seen before. People are now becoming a part and dedicated to the life of the church in all facets. And for the first time in a long time, they said they are now accomplishing the mission of the church. 
And we've just barely started to cooperate with them. When we get a vision from God, it opens the door for great, I don't know, I have a hard time saying that today, great cooperation. Notice the next thing. Biblical vision lives out the great commandment. Well, Tim, aren't there risks? Yes. Tim, isn't there a chance that there's greater responsibility? Yes. Tim, doesn't it mean it may create a burden? Yes. Tim, doesn't it mean it may mean more work? Yes. More energy? Yes. More time? Yes. But doesn't the church need us? Two weeks ago, I had one of the longest days of ministry. Uh, at four o'clock, I told Keith I wanted to retire. We had been at the church all day. There's nothing worse than being in a suit longer than I would say eight hours for me. Eight hours is about as long as I can be in a suit. I was here at church early and had been at church all day long, had not gotten home. And I'm telling my equipping you class, I can't wait to get home. There's nothing greater than dreaming about your bed. And I'm dreaming about it right now as I'm teaching you theology. I'm tired. But then a call comes in and there's a counseling uh, emergency that needs to be taken care of. And so now it's 11 o'clock at night. And I'm sitting there, I'm still dreaming about my bed. I want to get home. I'm tired. I've got a long week ahead of me and I needed a good night's sleep, but God had other plans. And so I'm coming home. I've called Amanda. It's around midnight now. And I call Amanda and said, honey, I know I said 3.30. I know I'm eight hours late, but I'll tell you about the ministry that I did. And she's always wonderful about it. I hang up with Amanda and I'm on, I'm coming onto Route 56 And I watch a man take his Dodge Ram truck, flip it three times, and put it in the ditch. Can I tell you something? And I want to speak very honestly. I didn't want to stop. I was so tired. And I knew that meant it was going to be a forever night. I had just been a witness to an accident. There was nobody else around. And God says, Tim, I know you're tired. I'm in a suit. Remember how much it rained a couple weeks ago? My suit was ruined. My shoes were ruined. We can't find the guy. He had been ejected from the car. And I find my friend now, the guy that I pray for now more than anybody I don't know, Bert Olson is his name, a 37-year-old man from uh, Dixon, Illinois, who up to this point still is in the hospital. He was in critical condition. And I remember standing there and replaying in my mind how I want to be comfortable And God wanted me to be there. There are times, my friends, where God calls us to things and it will cost us greatly. But you know what I was amazed about? As sad and angry as I was about ministry, about having to do ministry, and oh, I started to have a pity party for nobody cares. I got to work tomorrow. I've got a noon catering event. Nobody cares. All the village is sleeping. They don't care. They don't care. And you know what God says, you idiot? Let me show you how much, how quickly you could be gone. And I watch an unconscious man waiting for the ambulance to come, watching a man breathing what I believe could have been his last breath, waiting for the helicopter to come. And I sat there and said, Tim, you are a fool to be even complaining. You've got life, you've got breath, you've got a wonderful family, an awesome wife. You've got a church that that has given you the opportunity to preach and teach the Word of God, even though you weren't even close to being qualified in a lot of ways to do it. And you complain because you have the right to minister to them and to serve me, the one who gave you life, the one who has given you salvation. You fool. 
My friends, there are times where our comfortability leads us to think we deserve something more when God is crying out. The man asked, how do I receive eternal life? Jesus says, love your neighbor. And he gives a story where people could have walked by a man that was down because he had been robbed and beaten. My friends, I don't know what greater commandment we are given than when a church comes to us and says, help us in our time of need, that we would not with open arms say, yes. You may disagree with me and that's okay, but I see that great commandment being lived out. We need to live that out, loving our neighbors as ourselves, serving them, ministering to them. Will it cost us? It always does. It always does. But it's going to mean we're going to serve others and we're going to sacrifice for the glory of God. Finally, it means pursuing the Great Commission. Do we long to see our Jerusalem and our Judea um, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with that area around us? We do. If we want to do that, let me just read one more thing from this pamphlet. We believe that our impact in the world for Christ and His kingdom is likely to be more effective as we work together rather than maintaining entirely separate local church identities. Therefore, we seek to build bridges, blessing and sharing with other churches and partnering with them in an effort to reach the Fox Valley area as well as other parts of the world. We do this for the glory of God by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe we can accomplish the Great Commission by living out John 17, that those who accept the message that just as Christ and the Father were one, that they, the believers of Jesus Christ, would be one. That we would be unified and together. And that means us growing together in that grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ together. And so, what does that mean for us? You're going to hear more about this in the future. I'm going to ask you to do three things. Write these down. Number one, be an intercessor. What that means is pray. We need to pray now more than ever. Why? Because there are uncharted waters. There are things we're not sure of. Pray for discernment for the elders. Pray that God would give us direction. Pray that we as a church, Village Bible, would continue to be unified as God continues to grow us and give us his leading and direction. Number two, investigate it by asking questions. This is not something we want to hold back from you. We want to announce it to you, share it with you, so you can ask questions. Don't ever hesitate to ask questions about it. Questions help us understand what's left to communicate to you, and it helps assure that all bases are covered for the protection of our church and the ongoing ministry of this church that we'll do it well. And number three, get involved. Start spending time getting to know uh, the two other churches. Visit them. That's all right. If you miss out on Sunday with Village, go and be a part of one of the other churches. Spend a week there. We're not asking you to go and change your membership. We're asking you to just visit them. The best time to do it is next Sunday night. All three churches will be together for a time of worship and food and fellowship. Get to know people that you don't know. Ask about the ministry that's going on. God is at work just as he is in this church and those churches as well. We want to strive together to work for the harvest. It's what God has called us to seven years ago, and I believe it's what he's calling us to today. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the three passages of scripture that we used as a springboard today. And Father, I thank you for this church. You have done amazing things in this church, miraculous things. And we're so thank you, so thankful for them. 
And Lord, you continue to increase our ministries. You continue to allow us to be effective. You continue to allow us to have the the greatest unity I think this church has ever had. And Lord, it's not from us. It's not from a program or, or because we have good leaders. Lord, we have peace and we have direction and we have effectiveness because of you and you alone. So Father, we thank you for it. Use us, minister to us. Lord, we have questions before us. We don't know the answers. We seems that you have, it seems that you have opened doors and we want to walk very carefully through them. We want to walk slowly through them. We want to answer questions. We want to seek your will, Lord. I pray that that will be a reality so that we can bring you glory, bring you honor, and bring the name of Jesus Christ to every person in our area, in our world around us, so that people will come to know Jesus to the glory of you in heaven. We give it to you knowing that you are capable to do more than we could ever think or imagine. And we give it to you knowing that you're the only one who has the power to see it through. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, amen.